My name is Hanan. In the old language, it means grace. You know, growing up, I never really understood grace. What, what is grace? But something happened in my life that changed the meaning of my name. I see things differently now. I run a shop in the busy part of Jerusalem, in the busiest section. And it's been in the family a long time. As a matter of fact, the roof, when I first took it over, was leaking. The shutters needed painting. There was some work to be done, and I needed a carpenter. But to find a good carpenter in the city, it's a hard job. It's hard to find someone who can really do the right kind of work. And so I asked my friends, and they said, you need to go out of the city. Why don't you try 90 miles north? There's this great company, this great woodworking company, J&J Woodworking, J&J Carpentry. They do the greatest work. And I heard not only the uh, Joseph, but he's got a son that is an amazing carpenter. He just almost always does perfect work. Just, it's just incredible. <laughs> And so I gave them a call. They came out and you know, they gave me a quote, great price. I thought, you know, I'll see how this goes. And they came and they did amazing work. I couldn't complain, put in a full day work. And that boy, he was so kind and obedient to his dad. He was amazing. And I remember when they finished, they came up to me and they said, sir... It is finished. Are you happy with the work? And I was. And they set off. You know, I, I never was a religious man. Matter of fact, the way I looked at religion was, it's a good place for business contacts, people to come into the shop. And so I would go to the temple and I would meet people and I would be friendly. But I didn't want to be a fanatic. After all, those Romans, they hate fanatics. And so I just went for the business contacts to meet the people. To hopefully further along my shop. And then I remember, one day, one of the most amazing things happened. There was a commotion outside. Now, I figured it had to do with the Romans. Man, those Romans. Matter of fact, a guy down the street who's a cobbler, he hates the Romans. He sells them cheap leather. When it gets real hot, it smells and it stinks. He says, I do that because I want them to suffer. But when I opened the door and went outside, it wasn't, it wasn't the Romans, guys. But it was the Jews. It was God's people. And they were marching down the roads. And children were carrying palm branches. And they were singing, Hosanna, glory to God in the highest. And I looked and I saw, well, I thought it was a small colt, but it was a donkey. And there was this guy on the donkey and his feet were literally, well, they were going along the ground, touching the ground. And I thought, what is he doing? Who is this guy? And the guy next to me said, oh, he's a, he's a Nazarene. Matter, matter of fact, he's a carpenter. And I thought, a carpenter? But wait a minute, wait a minute. Years ago, I had, could, it, could it be that carpenter who had come to my shop? Who had, who had I, I don't know. And, and, and as he came close, he stopped for just a moment and he looked me in the eyes, but he did more than that. He looked into me. 
He saw the greed. He saw the hypocrisy. He saw the pride. He saw me. And I couldn't escape. As a matter of fact, I, I found myself wanting to look down in shame because he looked through me. I thought, who is this carpenter? Who is this man? And I, I went home. I was so struck by this. And I hugged my little girl, Rachel, as I came in the door. Man, I love her. I took her and I took her brother, Reuben, and I put them in bed. And guys, I miss their mom. She died about a year ago. And it's really hard to be a single parent. And it's really hard not to have her. But I, I, I tucked them in the bed. And then I, I got up and I went back to work, but I, I just couldn't rest. And, I, and even when I tried to go to bed, even when I tried to sleep, sleep evaded me. Because all I could think about was this carpenter. Was Who is this man? Who is this man that could look at me but look through me? And, and I just couldn't figure it out. I kept thinking and I kept... I, I remember the crowds that followed him that day and, and I was trying to make sense of it all. There became rumors among town about him. All kinds of rumors. And, and so I, I went out. I wanted to see what was going on. I saw the most amazing thing. There was a guy that was blind. And Jesus came up to them and he restored his sight. There was a, a guy that he couldn't hear and Jesus unstopped his ears so that he could hear. And it made me think of a scripture in the Torah from the prophet Isaiah who said, The Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor, to open eyes that are blind, <laughs> to bind the brokenhearted, to free the prisoners, to set the captives free. And I thought, could it be? Could He possibly be the promised one? One day, uh, a few days later, a guy came into the shop and he said, well, it's finally happened. I said, what's happened? He said, you remember that Nazarene? Well, they caught him over there in Gethsemane Park. And the story goes that there was some kind of disagreement. It got out of hand. <laughs> and one of his followers tried to cut off this guy's ear. Well, he did cut off his ear. And um, Jesus reached down, he picked it up, and he healed the man. He said, and then, that must have been some kind of signal, but one of his own came up and kissed him on the cheek. And then soldiers came and they carried him away. They carried Jesus away. They arrested him. Well, I asked, what did he do? What did he do? I said, well, I don't know. I think they were saying uh, it was treason. That he was against Rome. That he was a traitor. Well, what happened? He said, well, they had this mock trial. Oh, what happened? Well, I believe they're going to crucify him. Well, when I was a young guy, a teenager, I had went to Skull Hill. You don't want to go to Skull Hill. Skull Hill is a, is a terrible place. And there was this, this horrible... Uh, Horrible criminal. And I remember they had chased him for several days. And when they called him, you wouldn't believe how they tortured this guy. And I can never forget because I was young and I was curious. So I went and I watched them as they took the hammer and as they, man, as they took those big nails and they pierced him through the, through the wrists and, and, and through the feet. And as I watched them crucify this guy, as they took the body attached 
to the cross and they stuck it in the hole in the ground. His very flesh tore. And the blood flowed. And I thought, I will never, ever go back to that place. But let me tell you what happened. (laughs) It wasn't too long after that that I heard another commotion outside. And I thought, I wonder what this is about. I told my guys, I said, let's go ahead and close down for lunch. So I reached under my counter, took a homemade sign that said closed, hung it on the door, told my workers they could have the rest of the day off. And I headed out in the crowd, and I couldn't believe what I saw. I saw a man covered in blood, almost totally unrecognizable, forced to carry the cross. And before I knew it, I was following the crowd to where I said I would never go again. I was headed towards Skull Hill. I couldn't believe it. Unbelievable. I got, I got to Skull Hill. And I watched, I watched him. I watched him as they placed him upon that cross as they drove the nails in him. I, I, I watched in horror as they, took, as they took that cross and they placed it in the ground and his flesh tore. And as I saw this crown of thorns they had placed upon his head and the blood trickled down, I thought, who is this carpenter? What has he done? How could all of this have happened? It, it, it shook me. It severely affected me. And then I heard him say, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And I thought, what is he talking about? Forsaken? Abandoned? Father, is he talking to God? Did he just call him Father? Is he his son? I was trying to make sense out of all, all of this because it was, it was just so new. And then I heard him say, I'm thirsty. And I saw one of those Roman pigs take his spear and he plunged it into a sponge and vinegar and put it up to his face. And I thought, man, if I could, I'd like to just take that sword and ram that guy through. Ooh, the anger was just going through me. But I, I watched him suffer and then I heard the most amazing thing. This carpenter on the cross, he said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Who is this carpenter? And then I heard the words, It is finished. You know what I thought of? I thought of back at my shop when he and his dad, Joseph, worked. I thought about that great job they did. And when they came up to me and they said, Nan, Grace, it is finished. And I thought, what does he mean now by it is finished? And suddenly the words came to me again from the prophet Isaiah. He was despised and rejected by men. A man of sorrows and familiar with suffering. Like one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised. And we esteemed Him not. He was crushed for our iniquities. 
He was pierced for our transgressions. By his wounds, we are healed. We all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. And and guys, I tell you, at that moment, I, I, I couldn't help it. I found myself on my knees. And I found myself broken thinking, is this talking about this carpenter? Is by being finished mean that the price has been paid? The salvation, the Messiah that we have all longed for, have we misunderstood? Could it be this is what it's all about? Not about power, but about being willing to die. Could it, could it be? Could I be that sheep that's astray and my sins are laid upon him? Man, to be honest with you, I was so overcome, I didn't care who was looking at me. I didn't even know anyone else was there. By the time I did arise, I saw him breathe his last. And then something crazy happened. The sky grew pitch black. It was dark. Dark like the deepest night. You know where you feel like you can touch the dark? It was dark. And then the ground began to shake. And we thought, oh no, what is going to happen now? And you know, you think I was scared. I heard from a buddy later on who was over at the cemetery that some bodies came out of the graves and started preaching. Now that's preaching even I could listen to. It would convince me what had happened. There was even a Roman centurion who was a commander of military men of the Roman army who said, surely this is the Son of God. Man! But he's dead. I, I, I watched them take his body down from the cross. I watched them carry him away. Headed to a tomb. It made no sense to me at all. No sense at all. I went home. I hugged my kids, Rachel and Reuben. Told them I loved them. Tried to make sense out of all of this. Innocent. Isaiah talks about he was led like a lamb to the slaughter. As a sheep before his shears is silent, he did not open his mouth. Jesus, if you are the Son of God, why did you not stop this chaos? Well, a couple of days later, I called up my friend Cleopas. I said, Cleopas, let's go for a walk. And he said, okay. So we headed out on a walk on the road to Emmaus. Cleopas, Cleopas and I were walking and suddenly this guy came up to us. And we're talking about the events that have just happened. About Jesus. About how when he taught, it wasn't like any other teacher. It, it was God speaking. He surely he had to be the promised one. <laughs> but how he suffered, how he died, and how he watched all that torment, how he even watched his mother with her head in her hands and her weeping, and then one of the disciples reaching out to her, trying to comfort her. And we watched this horrible event as we watched him carry his body away. And this guy just looked at us. And he said, do you not understand the Scriptures? Are you so thick scold that you don't understand what happened? We said, 
What are you talking about? And amazing things happened. He began to describe the Scriptures, the Torah, from the start to what we know is what is completed at this point. And he began to explain the death of Jesus. He began to explain what it was all about. And our hearts burned within us. And we thought, this is the kind of guy we like. We wish he could go everywhere with us. We don't want him to leave. Matter of fact, he started heading on when it was time for us to stop. And we said, uh, how would you like to eat with us? Man, we're going to have some fish and some bread. Have a good meal. <laughs> Why don't you join us? He said, okay. So we sat down together. And he broke the bread. He prayed. And when we opened our eyes, do you know what we saw? We saw the scars. And do you know what we knew? He's alive. That was no ordinary visitor. That was no coincidental meeting. That was a divine meeting with the Holy One. He is alive. And we, we went to the disciples, to the eleven, to tell them the news. But they also had had an encounter with the risen One. And that encounter changed our lives. And that encounter changed lives not only in our time, but as we know today, down through the centuries, and it's still changing lives. There's nothing like an encounter with Jesus Christ. There's nothing about the story like the story becoming your story. It didn't just become Nahum's story, but he began to understand grace in a deeper way when he saw that Jesus was alive. But my prayer is that it has become your story. Because, guys, there's no other story that ultimately matters if you miss the story of Jesus. If, the, if Jesus does not become your Savior, He's Savior of the world, but if He does not become your Savior, man, you miss out on life. You miss out on eternity. You miss out on all that He has for us. And I don't want that for any of us. We have, we have an altar that is open. We have given money at the cross. This is also an invitation to give our hearts at the cross. Maybe God has spoken to you this morning. Um, this is a little bit different way to preach, I admit. Have you ever thought the power of a personal testimony? Now, I made up Nahan. I, his name means grace, but let's just leave it at that. I'm not saying he ran a shop there in Jerusalem, but he could have. There were lives like him changed but not just 2,000 years ago, today. If God's called you, we're going to sing here in a moment. I'm going to ask you to come up to the altar and to pray. And if you need to talk with me, I would love to talk with you. If you have never had a personal encounter with a risen Christ, you can do that at this moment. You don't have to wait. All you have to do is bow your, bow your heart, close your eyes, but He can hear you with your eyes open. And you just say to him, just be honest, Lord, I need you. I need to meet you personally. I need to be forgiven by you. I need your life to fill up my life so that I'll know the fullness of life. That's all you got to do. You just got to pray and you just got to talk to him and ask him to do that work to forgive you. And he, he, he makes you new. That's what the risen Christ does. He rises up what is dead 
Before him were dead, with him were alive. Because he first came back to life, he conquered death. Will you come? God's spoken to you. Let's let's sing together.